Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Pundit is the football trivia game. Every sale using the code LIONS at checkout now gives a whopping 40% discount plus a £10 donation to the Lions Food Hub. Visit punditgames.co.uk to order your copy. Punditgames.co.uk, code LIONS. You're listening to Achtung Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin, except no substitute. Hello dear listeners, welcome to Nick and Neil's Millwall History Hour, or hour-ish, depending on how long Neil and I can waffle on for. Um, joining me to discuss games from the past and matters and, you know, the highways and byways of Millwall history is the man himself, Neil Fisler. How are you doing, Neil? Hello, Nick. Good morning, everybody. Usual Friday morning, nothing to talk about as we played midweek. So we thought we'd waffle on about history. That's a good idea. Um, what more can you want from this life than to uh, talk some more history, dear listeners? We do play Huddersfield tomorrow, so we're slightly blagging this edition. We're going to be really upfront with you, listeners. We've slightly put this part together at a bit of a last moment. So anyway, so tomorrow's game, what well, a critical game, actually. We're playing Huddersfield Town at home tomorrow, third game in a week. Crucial week, you're ahead of the international break. Um, but we thought we'd cast around for a result from the past, Neil, that um, we would like to see reflected Again tomorrow, and we've we've found one, or you found one, I should say. Credit where credit's due. A game played in 1969, mate. A, a nice 5-1 win over Huddersfield Town at Colblow Lane. Exactly what we need tomorrow. Uh, they're on their downers. They're near the bottom of the table. Uh, they've got a transfer embargo. Not that it really matters. It's one of those futile EFL uh, gestures, isn't it? Gestures. <laughs> because they didn't put their accounts in on time. So uh, we're due to really spank someone, aren't we? And this is a game at home. Hopefully there's going to be a decent-sized crowd there. Uh, By all accounts, everybody apart from Callum Styles is training again. So it's got all the makings, hasn't it? Of a it should do. It should do, shouldn't it? Um, this result would be fantastic. Reflected again tomorrow. It's a five-one win, as as we've said already. Played at Coldblow Lane in front of thirteen thousand six hundred and thirteen at the old Den. Um, some wonderful names on this list here, Neil. Um, goal scorers. In fact, it's a complete Millwall lineup because we've got an own goal in the mix there for the for the one goal for Huddersfield. It started off badly for us, Neil, an own goal, rear own goal for Barry Kitchener on, on eight minutes. Um he was an accomplished defender. I don't I don't remember seeing too many own goals by Kitch, but um this one was before my my time list, so I didn't see this one, but an own goal for Kitch on eight minutes. And then there was a goal torrent, wasn't there? Yeah we stuck out a left leg apparently to right. intercept 
kicked a Nicholson cross, but only succeeded in ramming the ball yards wide of the dismayed goalkeeper. It's down as Mike King in the in Gibbling the Sunday Mirror. They obviously mean Brian. Many apologies, Brian, if you are listening for the for the incompetent <laughs> reporting that that actually called you Mike. Um, so yeah, one nil down there. Um... Then there's a goal torrent really near after that, isn't there? I mean, we weren't behind for long. Two minutes later, Billy Neal, player that I want to touch on before we, we move along today's show. Billy Neal equalised on 10 minutes. Uh, Derek Posse, fantastic striker. He was our club record goal scorer for many, many years, Derek Posse. Very, very short squat finisher, wasn't he, Derek Posse? He was a, he was a great, great striker for the club. Um, 2-1 on 11 minutes. This would have probably been plays actually Nick I think he'd only just uh, been signed from Tottenham he certainly Spurs yeah Spurs £25,000 so <laughs> yeah but I wonder if a better £25,000 has been spent on a player anyway I digress we digress probably not probably not he was a fantastic signing and uh, an absolutely ruthless finisher I think he probably would feel and he moved on I, I started going 72 as I've said a few times but he left us for Palace um, I think the season after that I'd started going so I caught the last few games of Derek Posse's career and then he moved to, to Palace but never really took hold there at Crystal Palace and um, I think he was looking to try and get back into the top flight with them but that never happened so yeah 2-1 on 11 minutes a Keith Weller, 37th minute penalty. If you used to ask me, Neil, one player I wished I'd seen in a mill shirt, um, it would have been Keith Weller because everyone speaks so highly of him as a, as a midfield maestro. And I think he was another player that came to us from, was it Chelsea he'd signed from? Or, um, I think he came to us from Chelsea. Um, he moved on to Leicester uh, before my time, but a masterful midfielder. So 37th minute for, for Keith Weller, penalty. And another goal for Derek Posse. So uh, with Kitchener's own goal, it's four one at half time. That's quite a dramatic first half of football, isn't it? Four one. Goal of the lot, according to the match report. It's got then four minutes before the break. Posse pants to fire to fire the best goal of the game. He raced between two defenders to snatch a forty yard pass from Ken Jones. It's a blast from the past. Uh, and Ken Jones, yeah, Coley yeah. stroked the ball past the advancing Terry Paul. He was um, his goal against Birmingham in the the, the almost promotion season was a, a contender for goal of the season. It was again similar kind of move. I think it was a fairly direct side. We were you know structured by Benny Fenton in a fairly um, what we'd now call a fairly direct style, and that was a ball down the middle. Um, Slammed past the Birmingham goalkeeper with you know with some aplomb, so clearly a, a finisher of some some finesse, Derek Bossy. And as I said already, uh, up until uh, Teddy Sheringham, I think um, was our club record goal scorer. Um, it would finish a uh, goal in the second half, a, a, a lone goal in the second, much less excitement in that second period. A, a rare goal for Damon Dunphy. He didn't score many, did he? I don't think he was more of a, a creator than a, than a scorer. But 67th minute, goal for Raymond Dunphy. Yeah, described as a 20-yard banana shot, which means... Hey, you don't get banana shots anymore in football. Yeah, no, he called it in, in other words, didn't he? A banana shot. I love that. Yeah, but that's one of those expressions in football reporting. I think you, I think we have to bring back uh, a banana, banana shot. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do my best with Daisy Cutter. I don't think that entirely went away, but banana shots, um, you're right. Pele was renowned, or the Brazilians were renowned for banana shots around the wall of the... Uh, you could hit the football and curl it. Uh, I think the modern ball probably lends itself to moving in the air anyway. It's much lighter now than these old balls. So to curl a, an old school football like that implied real technique, power and control, um, which, which I think Dunphy did have him in fairness to him. Again, another player that I saw at the very end of his career in a Millwall shirt. Um, this was a win that would put us in third position. We were doing well this season. It would fall away somewhat though, Neil, not third, fourth. We'd finish in 10th spot. This is a classic Millwall um, series of defeats at the end of the season when the promise of promotion started to veer into sight. So we don't, we don't want that part. We wouldn't mind the 5-1 win, but we don't want the tailing off of form that's, that's bedeviled us a few times over our history. Um, so we went from third in February to finish in April, uh, April 19th, last game of the season, we finished in 10th position. Yeah, well, Fenton said it was our best but, win of the season, said jubilant manager Benny Fenton, according to the to the Sunday people. Right. And Posse said uh, when Dunphy clipped a free kick on from a corner of the edge of the penalty area to Posse near the left-hand corner flag. And uh, Billy Neal raced onto a first-time lob pass, Paul. He said they were scrambling to get back. We were going forward. The ideal setup, said Posse. A bit of a pointless quote there, really. But no, it... Well, you've got to say, got to say something at the end of the game, haven't you? you know, um... Well, I wonder what Mike thought of it. <laughs> Middle team that day, listen, there's some classic names, almost a, a side that would write itself. I mean, that was one of the things that's always struck me about this late 60s, early 70s period, that the, the team really didn't change very much. One or two names, but the spine of this team would be the one that would take us so close. Uh, Brian King, or Mike Mike King, as we might name him now. Brian King in goal. Dennis Burnett, Harry Cripps, George Jacks, Barry Kitchener. Uh, Jones, Ken Jones, yeah. uh, Derek Posse, Eamon Dunphy, uh, Keith Weller. Gordon Bolland and Billy Neal. Um, no substitute used that game. So there we are. Now, the name of Billy Neal, uh, Neal has been around the club for a long, long time. And I don't think, and listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we've mentioned him terribly often. I thought it might just be nice just to mention him in passing. Um, because, uh, you know, the, the, there's a, a catchphrase or cliche in football of being a club servant. I don't think many... Um, that that term is ever ever better applied than with Billy Neal because he was both as a player and a member of staff for years, wasn't he? Stalwart, I think, is a better. I think is a better name or or tag. He's club stalwart. Uh, joined us what? Club stalwart. Joined us in what? Sixty. You've yeah. Sixty four. Just looking at the Who's Who book, which I recommend you buy, listeners. I recommend you buy it. It's a fantastic. Um, well, for, if you're doing a podcast, then you can't beat it because it's it's instant knowledge. And um, this is how I sound so intelligent when I, I hope I sound intelligent. Um, anyway, William War Neil Billy, of course, as he's known, outside left, joined us in 1964, Neil. Um, finished as a player in um, 1971, 212 games for the Lions, 30 goals over that period. Um, born in Scotland, Rosslyn in Scotland, 1944. He played for Hibernian, uh, Bonnie Rig Rose. That's a fantastic name, football club, Bonnie Rig Rose. And then joined Millwall, made his debut 
versus Lincoln City. Um, it was a tricky winger, as it's described. He flourished under Billy Gray, was an integral part of the team, went 59 games unbeaten. So it was a stalwart of, of that classic side unbeaten run in the, in the mid-60s. Um, and also, I suppose, what's less remembered in a way, you know, the points made in the book were back-to-back promotions because we went from the fourth division through the third up to the second division with, with this, you know, that, that very same side, didn't we? Yeah, and that was, uh, funnily enough, we're going to do a history podcast, another one next week, when we're going to... Next, next week, that's right. Well, we were aiming to do it this week, but, but you know, life... Well, we've thrown this together slightly because we've got one or two odds, odds and ends and we've, we've doing this Huddersfield review. Uh, but we'll come back on that one next But week. when we got relegated to the fourth division, there there's a little bit of uh, shenanigans and skullduggery going on, which I will reveal next week. There we are. I look forward to that. So, yeah, back-to-back pr- promotions with Billy and, and under under the, uh, Billy Gray and then Benny Fenton. And, of course, upon retirement in 1973, he actually required. He spent three weeks working in uh, the offices of the Ministry of Defence. I clearly didn't like it. And then he came back to Millwall as a coach before moving into the commercial department for many, many years. And he was, I mean, I remember this through the 70s. There was always the name quoted in the uh, in the programme that you went to go and for the office. You went to go and see Billy Neal working in the office. Um I don't know how long he worked for the club. It seemed to be forever. I think he's still he's still uh, obviously a guest of the club from time to time. Um, a, a real servant. I mean. Yeah, we only gave up about six, seven years ago. I think. I think yeah. he, he he worked into his well into his late sixties, seventies. For those people that used to go and buy the programs from the old uh, little uh, shop. That that up the steps, yeah, 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 or even yeah, yeah, or even at the new ground, the program cab, uh, the program office that was next to the ticket office. Uh, if you ever came across a Scotsman in there, that was Billy Neal. <laughs> um, so yeah, hats off to Billy Neal. I'm glad that we've had the chance. I mean, so often on these shows, Neil, it's one of the nicest things is to be able to mention the names of players from the past that don't get the spotlight. So, I mean, we've done it a few times and it's nice. Billy Neal's quite well known, um, but it's nice to be able to mention his name because he was um, a huge uh, club servant, both as a player and then a member of staff. So uh, hats off to hats off to Billy Neal. Achtung, Mailball. Now, this is a bit of a hodgepodge of a programme, listeners, and I make no apologies to it. We're trying to do it a few things together and uh, for your entertainment this Friday Friday morning. So next up, Neil, I've got some notes that I put together for last week for the trip to Reading. Um, and and I, can, I can put it politely, we couldn't be asked to do it, could we? So we, we've, I thought we'd save it till this week. So this is a bit of a, it's a bit like bubble and squeak, listeners. You have it the next day and it's you say, oh, it's nicer the next day. Well, this is what we're doing now with this um, 1983 trip to to elm park Reading. Um, last week i think that we ended up waffling on about something totally unimportant when there was history to be and then we... gianni infantino or something it like that was, it was, wasn't it? Was, yeah um so yeah we, i think the clock ran out on us so we thought we'd, we'd, we'd carry it over so apologies this was intended as a tasty uh tidbit before the trip to to the majeski last week but um I've dug out this result. It's Millwall, uh, Reading 3, Millwall 3, played in the third division on the 30th of April, 
1993 in front of just 4,410 at Reading's old ground, which was um, nearer to the town centre, a place called Elm Park, which is an old school terraced um, football stadium. Uh, I went there a couple of times, actually. I don't, don't think I was at this game. I don't think I was at this game. This was part of a remarkable escape from relegation, almost death-defying escape to relegation uh, from to, to Division 4 under arguably one of our best ever managers, really, Neil George Graham. Um, an unlikely figure in a way, because he was quite a cultured um, Arsenal forward as a player. And a man, he always seemed to have this kind of air of... Um, I don't know about sophistication about him, but he, he, he seemed to be slightly um, aloof from... Um, such a rough and pretty club as Millwall, but it was a winning combination because he saved. I think he actually saved us in terms of existence. If we'd have got promoted, uh, relegated to the fourth division at this time, the club was deep, deep in the mire financially. I, I don't know whether we would have survived that that period. Um, you know, ifs and buts maybe. But um, this was a, a remarkable draw. Uh, three Reading, three Millwall, three. Um, because A, we were down to nine men at one stage. We had two men sent off. Um, sent off uh, Dean Neal and Ian Stewart. Both saw, uh, well, Dean Neal saw two yellow cards. Stewart saw a red. Um, but we also staged a remarkable comeback from 3-0 down and staring the fourth division full in the face. We managed to come back and turn it to a 3 all draw. So we've got goals for Reading. 1-0, 15 minutes, a player called Earls. Pat Earls. 17 minutes. Pat Earls. Yeah. Uh, 17 minutes, we've gone 2-0 down. Price, scores for Reading. Do know the third one, 34 minutes, 3-0. Kerry Dixon, a man that would later come back and, and uh, play for the Lions via Chelsea, of course. Kerry Dixon made it 3-0, and we were reeling at this stage. Um, then it's gone 3-1. Dean, Dean White's pulled a goal back on, on the 42nd minute. So we've got him 3-1 down at half-time. Uh, Kevin Bremner's made it 3-2 on 62 minutes. And then a Dean White penalty to make it 3-all on 67. As I say, this was part of a remarkable escape from relegation. Um, the team for this remarkable turnaround was uh, Peter Wells in goal, Steve Lovell, uh, Dean, Dean White, Mickey Nutton, David Stride across the back line, Kevin Bremner, Nicky Chatterton, Anton Lachulakovsky and Lauren Madden across the midfield. Up front, Dean Neal and Ian Stewart, both of whom would see uh, a, a red card one way and the other. I've got a report here, Neil, from... Um, this would be the Reading uh, local paper. I think it's called Reading Evening News, I think. Um so Reading 3, Mill 3. In modern day lingo, is woeful is the headline. Woeful from Reading point of view. Um, in modern day lingo, Reading bottled this game. After 40 minutes of this electric charged third division relegation fight at Elm Park, the Royals were coasting to victory. They were 3-0 in front and Mill's Northern Ireland uh, international Ian Stewart just been dismissed for kicking Steve Richardson. <laughs> Must have been some kick to get a straight red back then. Um... The result was not a foregone conclusion, though. Not even Liverpool could recover against... Um, oh, the, res the result was a foregone conclusion, they were saying. Not even Liverpool could recover against such overwhelming odds. And yet the Royals somehow managed to blow it. Their all-too-familiar self-destruction tendencies, once again proving their downfall. Ten-man Millwall battered their way, battered their, their way back to Friel with a fierce and often crude mixture of intimidation and sheer blood and guts. Now, if that's not a Millwall 
summary of the, of the classic Millwall side listeners, I don't know what it is. A, a fierce and often crude mixture of intimidation and sheer blood and guts. Much of it, Neil, was unsightly and stretched the rule book to its limits. But how effective it was. And even when they lost Dean Neal after 83 minutes, sent off for allegedly swearing at a linesman, they still nearly managed to snatch victory in the dying seconds. Uh, the Royals, in marked contrast, fiddled and fumbled their way around, barely able to cope with the physical and never-say-die attitude of their opponents. What wonderful, wonderful reading that makes. Um, but a little bit of trouble. <laughs> a little bit of trouble in, the, in, the, um, in, the, in, in and around the ground. 14 arrests on the day. Um, there had been a protest march by Reading fans because, interestingly, at this time, Reading was um, in, in the sights of one Robert Maxwell, um, famous figure from the 80s, publisher. Wasn't it with uh, Oxford to form Thames Valley Royals? Precisely. So the, the front page of the Reading Evening Post, that's the name of the paper here, soccer merger is still on after a weekend of drama. So not only are they... Um, you know, losing three goal leads against Millwall in a, in a relegation fight. Not only are there scuffles in and around the stadium, um, on the terraces, there's also uh, talk of the soccer merger between Oxford United and Reading um, still being on the cards. This is uh, Oxford chairman at the time, Robert Maxwell, uh, with his plans to form uh, a, a new club based around, um, I imagine it would be more Reading than Oxford, but the Thames Valley Royals were going to be the name of this merged club. The fans were marching from the town centre to Elm Park to protest against it. Um, a, a, a move that would never come to pass, um, I think, probably, thankfully. Quite ironic, we actually lost to Oxford the week before, We or, or yeah, well, actually three days before we played Reading. <laughs> I've just seen here, we lost 1-0 uh, at Oxford. So, Is there... <laughs> so you can imagine that. <laughs> Fat Max was probably he was probably willing. I mean, it's a remarkable season from the Millwall perspective. Um, when you look at this this camera, we we, we have done um, during lockdown. I think that we did a a show on this eighty two eighty three season. I think it was Graham named it as his favourite ever season. Um, because what's remarkable when you look at the Millwall history website, which I do recommend you do, listeners, the Millwall history.org.uk um, site is, is a fantastic repository of knowledge and records. But um, when you look at the side that started the season, it's totally different to the side that starts to come together. The last, really, the last five to ten games of the season is almost a total um, jettisoning of the old squad that got themselves into, into this pickle. And then George Graham finding players from who knows where he found some of these players and he, he pulled them together into a mix that somehow would be prepared to stand their ground and, as the Evening Post has put it, use every um, every means available to them to blood, guts and and, uh, and, and intimidation or whatever it took and some skill, no, no, let's not forget that, to pull themselves out of relegation trouble um remarkable game and i thought it was just too good a, a result and too good um an account to to let it pass without at least throwing it into this week's show so um there we are 1993 at chesterfield that secured our safety wasn't it well, i can remember some yeah um cusack cusack with a uh, a 66-minute penalty on the last day of the season. 
Uh, we've beaten Brentford the week before, which there is footage of that um, on YouTube, Neil. I think Danny Baker did a... Um, uh, like, what was that evening show he used to do? Anyway, he took he used to go down to Millwall. I think as part of their kind of Thames at six, six o'clock. Yeah, and he used to he used to kind like. of create these little videos where we were cast as kind of interesting idiots almost down there, you know. And um, Chesterfield was the last uh, win of the season, a one nil win, and that would take us clear finally of the relegation zone and an amazing, miraculous uh, act of survival under George Graham for that. I, I mean, he'd also win his promotion the following campaign, I think, or well, two years later, rather, 84-85. Um, I think he's a candidate for one of our greatest managers if um, just for that act alone, because I certainly think we would have struggled to survive in the fourth division of those of those times. I'd to that. Uh, a few years ago, somebody bought Dave Cusack's shirt from that Chesterfield game. Right. It was a shirt from memory and they said could you get it signed so I actually met uh, Dave Cusack at Harlow Station <laughs> and he was working on the house right and uh, he actually signed the shirt that's fantastic that's fantastic just interesting nothing that I Cusack shirt for a, from that game for a little while red shirt with a well with a roaring lion on the brilliant, on, brilliant on the back. long ago days now it seems such a long time ago in, in some ways I, I think one of the effects of of, uh, of age listeners is that some things like this can seem both a long while ago and just like yesterday as well at the same time it's quite an odd, an odd thing um but this this was a a, a difficult time in the, in lions lions history i think what's for season nick is that we actually won a trophy we won the football league trophy and we won yes. days before that Reading game. It was a 3-2 win at Oxford. Uh, sorry, at Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln. Dean Neal scored two and Alan McCleary. Very, very early Alan McCleary. Football League trophy was the kind of precursor to what become the likes of the Alter Winter. Those Caribou. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's the one for the third division? The uncle, the, the, the pizza... Thing now, anyway, is that, that third yeah, fourth division? Yeah, the paint pot trophy. Papa John's, Papa John's trophy. Yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call it, um, whatever derogatory names. Uh. <laughs> the pizza cup, but a remarkable, remarkable season. One of the greatest um, escapes, I think, in um, in Mill history. And just as an aside, just looking at the um, uh, the, the the team uh, stats for the season, there's Sam Allardyce at the top of the. Uh, uh, but didn't have start his name starting with A. Um, Sam Allardyce, thirty six appearances. I think it's easy to forget he played for us. <laughs> Sam Allardyce and a young Teddy Sheringham or even yeah. as a non playing substitute that season. How about that? Yeah, there we are. yeah. Whatever you do, Nick, if you ever see John Sitton, do not mention yeah. Sam Allardyce playing for him. <laughs> Otherwise, he will edge your ear for about ten minutes on the subject. I should now on a podcast. <laughs> I won't, I won't shout out to John out there in that case. Mill would finish 17th in the league table. Actually, quite some spaces clear, about five points clear of Reading, who would be relegated. Um, it would go down in the fourth relegation spot on 38 points. We'd finish uh, in 17th on 43 points. So 
um, an amazing, an amazing uh, escape from uh, the, the precipice, shall we say? Achtung, Mailball. Um, now I've, I've also dug out. Um, I don't know why I dug this out. I, I think I was anticipating West Bromwich Albion on the April Fool's Day this year, isn't it? We've got an away trip to West Brom. <laughs> Anyway, this is random now, listeners. We're lose, I'm losing the plot now. I've dug out a result from um, 1947, more because of another game that took place on the same day, Neil. This is um, another escape from relegation, as it turns out. 1946-47 season. Uh, we went to West Bromwich Albion on the 10th of May that year and won 4-2. Quite a good win for the Lions at uh, the Hawthorns in front of 11,381. Um I've got a report from the Birmingham Mercury listeners for you. Um, nothing went right for the Albion, Neil <laughs> says. Um, <laughs> there were rarely any half measures in the play of Albion. They were either very good or very poor. In their 4-2 beating by Mill at the Hawthorns, their display came within the latter category. Jinx, that would be Jimmy Jinx, scored for the visitors on 20 minutes. Elliot replying five minutes later, so one all. But shortly before the interview, Gripton unfortunately put for his own goal. So 2-1 at half time. Woodward got a third for Mill at the opening of the second half. There's 3-1. Vivian. Only for Clark to uh, reduce uh, the margin two minutes later. Um, so 3-2 now. But in 61, by 61 minutes, the issue was settled by Brown. 4-2 oh, for Mill. Um, Mill were by no means a great side, Neil. But at no time did Albion play like a team. Their form was really too bad to be true. Too bad to be true, and anything in the nature of methodical work was conspicuous by its absence. Um, a number of police officers moved in at one point. Um, there was a protest, and some bottles were thrown on the pitch from the West Bromwich Albion sections. Listeners, this was a protest against the board. I think this was seen as, um, you know, um, it'd been a poor season for West Brom. I think probably that lack of consistency had angered one or two of the uh, Albion fans and there was a bit of a, a little bit of scuffling and the uh, coppers had to go in to sort it out um so there we are that would that would um finish um Mill's season and we would survive i think we would actually be relegated the following seasons and post-war football but we would survive that particular season in division two yeah we chopped purdy yeah well i'll read them because i've actually got the first names if you like tom Boy, len tyler george bradley Fred Ford, Bob Kelly, uh, Johnny Johnson, Vivian Woodward, who actually, he, his son is actually a Hollywood stuntman, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Wow, okay. Because I needed to find his death, so I traced his son. His son works in the film industry as a stuntman, or he did a few, uh, wow. four or five wow. years ago. Jimmy Jinks, Tommy yep. Brown. And Harry Osman, who I uh, think ended up, uh, he discovered uh, Payne, the South, Terry Payne, the Southampton legend, when he was scouting. He ran a pub in Winchester before moving to America towards the end of his life. But, you know, he discovered Terry Payne. Um, but the game that really caught my eye, Neil, um, was not actually a Millwall match. This was, um, I've got a, a front page here of the Coventry uh, evening Telegraph, and it's got a great account of a Great Britain versus rest of Europe match um, played um, on this weekend, May the May the tenth, nineteen forty seven. So post war football, 
Um, an exhibition game, great, a Great Britain side trouncing the rest of Europe, as it's put here. Six goals to one. Uh, Wilf Mannion shining before 134,000 people in uh, packed into into Hampden Park. That's, I mean, that's not the record crowd, of course, at Hampden, is it? That, that was um, 149,000, I think, the record something, attendance for a... Something like in, in the old Hampden, um, which is an incredible... I mean, 134,000 is, is, is more than... More than good enough. So yeah, no, my my um, I was caught by this this uh, post-war exhibition. It was like a, a Great Britain versus rest of Europe fixture. Um, the two teams, um, which I thought probably weren't reading out. We got Swift. I think that'll be Frank Swift now in goal for Great yeah, Britain. That's right. Um, Hardwick for England. George, um, who's captain? George Hardwick. Hughes, Hughes of Wales. Um, Macaulay of Scotland, Vernon of Ireland, um, Burgess of Wales, Matthews, who we'll come back to, Stanley Matthews, of course, of England, uh, Wilf Mannion of Tottenham, yeah, um, Tommy Lawton, uh, Steele of Scotland, and I think it's Billy Liddell of, of, uh, of Scotland. Uh, I don't know any of the foreign players, but we'll, we'll read them. Yeah, what's the middle of Europe? Yeah, what's the Millwall connection with that Great Britain thing? Well, the, the Millwall connection is is a story with um, no, 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 no. Uh, Stanley Matthews. No, 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 no. Oh, another one. Pay attention. Um, Pay attention. What? What in the schools? <laughs> yeah, what is the what connection with that Great Britain thing? Uh, well, the, the one I was going to link on with was Matthews, but we'll come back to that. Um, yeah, we're did pop- we not try and sign? Did we not try and sign Tommy Lawton uh, with um, uh, at this period? Was that was we, we, I'm sure we've mentioned an attempt to sign Tommy Lawton, one of the big names of the game at the time Tommy by um, yes. Charlie Hewitt in World War Two. Yeah, no, I'll give you half a. Yeah, you get half a point for that. You really guessed it for us. Oh, names of the game <laughs> in World War Two. <laughs> I was going to read the rest of Europe, but they're not names I think that many of us will, will know. There was uh, Dorisi. Yeah, yeah, no, read them out. Dorisi of France. I think it's Dorisi. The, the print is quite fuzzed. Um, Dorisi of France, Peterson of Denmark, Stefan of Switzerland, Carey of Era, Johnny Carey, I think his name is, Manchester yeah, United. Right, Man United. So Era there being the what we now call the Republic of Ireland. Um, Captain was Parola of Italy. Uh, Ludl of Czechoslovakia, as they put it here. Uh, Lambrechis, I think, of Belgium. Uh, Gren of Sweden. Nordahl of Sweden. Wilkes of Holland. And Prest of Denmark. And referee was one G reader of, of England. George um, Yeah. And there was there was this novel thing called substitutions. Apparently, um, they're part they were part of the pre match presentation, so it was quite a novel, novel uh, trip into the modern world. Um, goal scorers Lawton for, uh, for uh, Great Britain, two Steele and Parola own goal, with Nordahl of Sweden netting for the rest of Europe, who were overwhelmed in the first half. Uh, the Great Britain side score four goals in uh, three goals in four minutes after after the opening phase. Um, so there we are, 134,000 at Hampden Park, um, which is an incredible, think, incredible crowd. I think that game was probably part of a attempt to rebuild FIFA 
after 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 World War Two. Uh, right. I think FIFA are on their backside. Yeah, they weren't the all-encompassing money-making machine. TV-driven monster. No, no. Yeah, so uh, so we played a huge part in rebuilding FIFA, and uh, not that they've ever given us any credit for it. I don't think. But, <laughs> well, we would play in the first world. Well, that, our first World Cup would be in 1950. England being our in this case is a Great Britain side. Um, but I think we would take part in a World Cup in 1950, which would have a mixed, mixed outcome, shall we say. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is, this is a wonderful, wonderful um, fixture. I've, have you ever been to Hamden Park, Neil? I went there when it was being rebuilt and I wanted to visit. We were on a weekend in Glasgow and when I went there, I wanted to see, visit there. I went to see Queen's Park play there, but... Half the stadium was em- was missing. They they were rebuilding at the time, so it's quite a strange kind of almost half moon effect of the stadium. Still a big place, all seated at the time, uh, but half of the ground was missing, and it was the most miserable cold afternoon. The the football was um, Queens Park versus I think it was Calvin Beef, because of course Queens Park famously played at the at the ground, and it was played through this kind of slight mist cold damp mist in the air and and all the, other, the most entertaining part of the game was a bloke on the far side because you could see right through to the estate on the other side of where Hamden Park is located and this bloke was doing figures of eight in his car and in, in a big car park over there and that was the most entertaining part of the game I think it finished nil nil but at least I can say I went I've been to Hamden Park that's the only I've time I've been Hamden Park I've been passed there in a cab I think in whilst visiting Glasgow but no yeah. Seen again. I wanted it's one of those things on on you know you have these things on your bucket list, listeners. That was one of mine to go to Hamden Park, one of the great great names of um of the game, of course. Um, so yeah, there we are. So Great Britain six, rest of Europe one, and the name got dropped in there of Stanley Matthews, and um, just wanted to give a big shout out to Jack Gibbons who was in touch with me via Twitter, um, who's read the the Stanley Matthews um. Biography. I don't know if it's his autobiography. It's a biography. It might be ghostwritten for him. I don't know. But um, he's got an account of his um, contact with a, a very famous Mill name of Bill Voicey, Neil, um, who was training. I think he was training for the England side at the time, coaching or, or training at, for the national team at this period. This would be post-war, 1946. Yeah, uh, I think Bill Voicey had a... I had a decent spell as England trainer. I think it was physio, wasn't it? And... Uh... Probably did a bit of coaching as well back then. Yeah. Bill Voicey, major name, obviously First World War hero in the true sense, decorated. I think it was the military medal he won in when he was in the uh, in the service. And the, certainly the, the Belgian crowd again, I think he served on the Western Front in Belgium. Um, he was the scorer of our first goal at the at the uh, at the Colblow Lane in, the, in, the, in, in Division 3. Um, major name, major name, major figure in Millwall history, um, war hero. And then he would take to coaching. I think he coached abroad, but also finished up working for the FA. And this this story that uh, Jack has sent to us um, just is, is a couple of pages from Stanley Matthews. He describes a period where he's, he's trying to get himself fit for a game. He's got a, um, a touch of the flu. So he says, um, at the team hotel, uh, the England Heat team hotel, our trainer, Bill Voice, he took one look at me and confined me to bed. He's got the flu, Stanley Matthews. Um, I felt weak and drained, and with a minute or so of my head hitting the pillow, 
I was asleep. I don't know how long I'd slept, maybe three or four hours, but suddenly I woke to find Bill Voicey at my bedside with what looked like a glass of milk in his hand. Here you go, Stan, take this, says Bill. Um, it's just a drop of my own medicine in a glass of milk. <laughs> You'll have you back on your feet in no time, said Bill, offering me his homemade remedy, listeners. Uh, as Stanley Matthews puts it, um, he took one large gulp and was nearly on his feet straight away. He, he said he, he, never, he was never a drinker of alcohol in any form, but all the stuff he had never drunk was all contained in this one glass of milk that Bill Voicey gave. He must have put every, every shot of everything he had in there. Um, Matthew says he managed to drink it down and no sooner had he finished it than he felt his eyes bulging. He gave a shudder let, and let fall for deep breath that, and then went back to sleep again. Um, he woke in the small hours to discover his pyjamas soaked in perspiration. Um, he, had, he felt that somebody had collapsed on the bed on top of him because Voice had put six or seven blankets on top of him. And these would have been old school heavy blankets. None of you do these big kids out there. Um, and um, Voice keeping watch over him basically um, certainly, it got him fit for the game next day. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you see, that, it wasn't his wasn't his best ever game of football, but he was fit enough to get through ninety minutes. Um, but uh, yeah, and the voice he was was over the moon that his homemade recipe of rocket fuel, basically, <laughs> his glass of milk, had got the great the great Stanley Matthews out of his flu stupor, fit enough to take the field for. Uh, the England. I think they're playing. It was a two-nil win over over uh, Belgium, um, watched by the new Prime Minister Clement Attlee. So this would have been 1946. So again, post-war, we're talking about. Um, so yeah, he, he sounds like a character, Bill Voice. He doesn't. He? I mean, there's a, the man has seen action and uh, seen the hard edge of life, but wouldn't have been frightened of a few drinks. <laughs> yeah, but we've done a podcast on Bill Voice. I think didn't we? Uh, one of our very yeah. early history. Podcast absolutely in lockdown. He says as soon as soon as as soon as the final whistle went sounded, I felt drained and unwell and had to give the post match banquet a miss in favour of my hotel bed. This time, thankfully, listeners, without having to down Bill Voice's rocket fuel rent. <laughs> Bill Voice, there we are, there we are. That's, that was a too good a story to to uh, uh, not to not to include. Big thank you to Jack Gibbons for sending that to us um and i've got one more neil before we close out we we mentioned um in a recent show um dennis burnett and on my memory of dennis burnett and harry cripps going into business together and um i, I think brian king remembered it when i had the chance to speak to brian um a couple of years ago now um, and it was one of those things that haunted my imagination because I couldn't remember if I'd, I'd actually read it or whether I was constructing it in my head. But anyway, big shout out to um, Peter Barrett for forwarding on this page from um, Mill versus Fulham program, 23rd of September, 1972. Focus on the Lions. Dennis Burnett is the subject of um, a nice little page actually on, about Dennis Burnett. But the um, interesting part for me, the last couple of paragraphs here, says outside of football, Dennis loves a round of golf. But he's also recently gone into partnership with a household name in Mill Circles, Harry Cripps. And together they've established a business catering for the do-it-yourself individual. They've set up a business uh, DIY store at 24 The Centre Way, High Road, Ilford, where they supply the requirements for the home decorator. Um, meanwhile, we hope Dennis will continue to decorate the scene at Millwall. Ha, ha, ha. Um, so I, I thought it was petrol delivery, but it was a uh, paraffin delivery, but it wasn't. It was DIY painting yeah, and decorating. Paraffin, 
you know, the paraffin business was Reg Davis and Joey Broadfoot. Uh, but uh, interestingly, I think that Dennis Burnett became a painter and decorator in Brighton. Did he? Yeah, Did he? football career had finished. So, or so this was obviously something to look at. Uh, yeah, with your future in mind. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that they actually give the address. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a little yeah, Nick Hart going along to that shop, autograph book in hand? <laughs> I've actually to the two great men. Anyone who knows me well, Neil, will know that the last place on earth you'll find me will be a painting, decorating, DIY store. <laughs> The last place on earth, and you wouldn't hire me, listeners, to do your decorating either. So um, you know, just I'll, I'll stick to the podcasting. Thank you very much. But I'm I'm just quite glad um, I wasn't imagining them in business. I, I must have read this at the time. I, I'm sure I was at this game '72. Um, don't remember. I, I just had this idea um, that they were in business together. I must have read this this paragraph at that time. Um, so huge, huge thank you to Peter for forwarding that to me. Um, because it, it puts my um, my you know my, my uh, impending sense that I was losing the plot to to rest. Um, Nick there Hart, we are. We've covered a few. Nick Hart losing the plot. Then never, <laughs> never. <laughs> there we are. Um, we think we've reached the end of our of our agenda. Neil, unless you've got anything else you wanted to throw into the mix, mate. No, mate. Uh, we've uh, we've obviously a couple of people have come up with a couple of ideas. So we will work on them at some point. We will. Sorry for being so slow with this, but uh, but these things they do take an awfully long time to put together. It's not a question of uh, we've come up with a show idea for next week, and uh, it's taken you know, it takes three or four hours just to just to have a look and just to try and. Uh, uh, get a grasp of the personalities and trying to find uh, cuttings and newspapers because it's very all well and good, but you want to put some meat on the bone. That kind absolutely. Of thing. Yeah. So we've got a, it takes, it takes every, some input. Yeah, yeah, we've got the next one which we'll do early next week, and then hopefully uh, we m- will turn our attention to. The Fulham game. I think a couple of people have uh, on Twitter have got in contact. Nick, haven't they, with us over the past few weeks? And they're interested in the Fulham Sunday game. So we'll look at doing that. We're going to look at that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, big thank you. Do give us a shout. If you've got anything that you items, um, curiosities, or, you know, old yeah. bits of memorabilia that you want to send us a photo of, um, on the. No, Neil and I love to see that stuff, and um, we can, you know, it certainly gives you a spark to try and find some details, and and um, you know, gives you something to work from. So do get in touch with us. DM, uh, direct message me on on Twitter, or if you want to email, it's Axdorman or Gmail dot com. You'll get in touch with us. Um, or the same for Neil, you got the uh, messages open. So anything you want to bring to our our attention um, is is great. And a big thank you to the chaps for bringing both those stories to to the show because it, it does give us a little bit of um, feedback and it's just great to hear from people. Yeah, but if you DM me on Twitter, just actually tag me in on something and say check your DMs because there's a spam folder on there and I always forget to look in the spam folder. 
So if you, you stuff. do that, yeah, well, absolutely anything. If you want information on a player, you want uh, you've got a piece of memorabilia, you want some information on, or absolutely anything. Stories, yeah, thousand one stories of the den yeah, yeah, a story, absolutely anything that we can uh, that we can turn into uh, a little aside when we do our main, uh, yeah, well, our main history hit but it's always good to have a game or one or two other things to talk about just so we can flesh it out for an hour and uh and not waffle on like we are now trying to get somewhere near 50 minutes <laughs> there we go we've got about 50 minutes um i think we've probably done enough for one week listeners huge thank you neil for joining me on the show mate it's always good to hear from you yeah, and you, Nick, and it's always great to talk about history, isn't it? Especially on a... Absolutely. A big thank you to the listeners as well. We, we Just before Neil and I started, I, I transferred over our latest donation to Lions Food Hub. Um, all of our advertising money goes to the Lions Food Hub. It's a great cause, and we'll continue to do so. So I just want to say thank you to you listeners, because if you don't listen to it, we don't generate the money and the Food Hub suffers. So um, big thank you to everyone that tunes into these shows. Um, I think we've done enough for the weekend. Let's keep our fingers crossed, everyone, for Huddersfield tomorrow so we can go into an international break with some cushion in the playoff zone. So, anyway, we'll be back um, next week, I think. Neil, we'll do another history show next Friday. Um, so, until then, from Neil and myself, it's a Rivadurchi Millwall, and bye for now. Achtung, Millwall. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 